0: This podcast forum is brought to you to share expertise and insights within our integrated delivery system to help us improve the health of the people we serve and achieve world-class accessible care. This is Expert Insights. Here's your host, Melanie Cole. Today, we're talking about healthcare provider burnout on the national level. My guest is Dr. Mickey Trockel. He's the Director of Scholarship and Health Promotion for the Stanford School of Medicine WellMD Center. Dr. Trockel, with the ever-increasing need for healthcare providers as people are living longer, what are you seeing as far as provider satisfaction with the healthcare industry?
1: Well, it's mixed. I think physicians still, most of us, derive a great deal of meaning in our work. There are some things that have made provider satisfaction more difficult, as I think you're aware. Uh, the advent of the electronic health record, while in theory, uh, was Built as something that could streamline healthcare and has the potential for making improvements in healthcare, was implemented in a way that slotted more work to physicians. That things that could perhaps more easily be done by uh, members of the healthcare team that could be working to the top of their license to help out in ways that um, could make patient care much more efficient. Those. Practices; those duties were falling on the on the shoulders of physicians in ways that increased their workload, decreased their control in their workspace, and as we implemented health records at the same time that more and more physicians are uh, in employed models rather than independent practice models, physicians' satisfaction clearly trailed off. We know from Tate Shannafelt and his colleagues' research at Mayo Clinic in a national survey, that between 2011 and 2014, physician burnout and physician satisfaction both got worse during that time, and that the difference is larger between physicians and the general population across that time span as well.
0: And tell us about your experience as a researcher at Stanford in this field. What are you doing?
1: Well, one of the things that will be published very soon, I think I can talk about this now because it's been accepted, and so it's in press, so it's okay for me to talk about some of the details, is a study on physician turnover. In 2013, we uh, followed physicians who were burnt out and then physicians who were not burnt out, and were able to determine who left the organization during two years, Uh, so by 2015. And what we found is that among those who were burnt out, 21% had left the institution, whereas among those who were not burnt out, only 10% had left the institution. So that's an attributable risk of 11%. In other words, among physicians who were burnt out, which is a fairly large chunk at most institutions, that's somewhere between 30 and 50%, among that group, 11% would be leaving the institution within two years for reasons attributable to their burnout. Now, that turns out to be expensive. We asked our chief financial officer how much that cost, and she gave us the figures. And we then did the math to show how much burnout was costing just in terms of turnover that was attributable to burnout. And it was many millions. And that was uh, an important piece of research for us to garner support by making the business case for addressing physician wellness.
0: That's so interesting. Now, when people are looking at, we've talked about a little bit, and we'll get into it more with the reasons for some of the burnout, but sometimes it's hard to recognize. Doctor, how do you measure and respond and recognize the burnout? I mean, whether it's depersonalization or negative attitude of the provider, exhaustion, lack of empathy, any of these things, how is that How is that recognized and measured?
1: Well, we measure it uh, by implementing a, a standardized, validated measure, and there are a few that are available at Carl. They use the Oldenburg uh, scale, which is developed in Europe. Maslach Burnout Inventory has been available at a cost for a long time. We wanted to develop a way of measurement, a way of measuring burnout that was sensitive to change, and so we developed our own measure that uses 10 items, uh, all answered on a Likert scale, to assess uh, work exhaustion, which is Equivalent to emotional exhaustion in the Maslach scale, and to measure interpersonal disengagement, which is the part of depersonalization we felt was most relevant to physicians. And then we, we put a two week window on it, so meaning that those questions are answered relative to physicians' experience within the last two weeks. And that allows us to have a, a measure that's more sensitive to change so that we can test physicians before and after an intervention and see if we're moving the needle. But the most common way of uh, of recognizing burnout currently is through these uh, self-report instruments. And that's what we're relying on predominantly as well. Certainly, there is something to be said for recognizing the signs of burnout in a colleague and offering to help or offering uh, to direct the individual who's suffering from burnout to resources where they can get help.
0: Dr. Truckle, are we, are we discussing only physicians or is this something on the broad spectrum of healthcare providers? For example, if it is stress on the nursing staff or other staff members who might not be somebody that, that gets looked at or tries out these particular scales that you're discussing, is that also a part of this picture?
1: Absolutely. And at least in our children's system, we actually have assessed burnout in, and professional fulfillment, and the determinants of both of those in every employee of the entire institution. Uh, physicians have unique stressors. We think that dealing with physician burnout and on the opposite end of that spectrum, on professional uh, helping with professional fulfillment, that that it's best to uh, to address physicians specifically and to target interventions to that group specifically because they have unique needs. But the same could be said for every other group. Uh, While we think a one size fits all program ultimately won't be most effective, we absolutely believe it's important to address wellness for every employee group and our uh, wellness survey for all of our Lucille children, Lucille Packard Children's Hospital, Hospital Clinic and Hospital and Clinic System that included everybody and every aspect of the organization um, helps us with a, a first step towards that.
0: So, what are you doing to respond to some of this? And as doctors have that onerous maintenance of certification requirements and and the clerical burden and all of these things we've been discussing, how do you respond to it? What are you doing? Like things like workflow design or what organizations and providers can do?
1: Absolutely. And this is, I'd, I'd ho- I was hoping you'd, we'd get to this. This is the most important piece for me. We think of the solution in terms of three buckets. And we have a, a short article that we published in the New England Journal of Medicine's Catalyst Forum that outlines these three buckets and describes them. One is efficiency of practice, and that's what you're referring to. And the solutions for that are developing uh, collaborative, creative, ways of adapting to change, um, helping physicians identify the specific things that are causing distress, and then empowering them to be part of teams that develop and implement solutions, and then evaluate the impact of those solutions in terms of how much they affect things like physician burnout, and then repeating that experiment over and over again, constantly aiming for improvement. That process was written about by Tate Shanafelt and Steve Twinson from the Mayo Clinic, uh, when, when Tate was still at the Mayo Clinic, um, it's called the Listen Act Develop Model. It's leadership 101 principles, but when systematic, systematically applied, do help individual organizations improve their workflow, improve their communication, and improve employee satisfaction, engagement, and reduce burnout. So that there's that piece. There are, of course, targeted things like providing electronic health record coaching to individuals who are um, who are outliers, who are in spending way more time than average to complete their electronic health record work. Often, offering coaching to those individuals can help them drastically reduce the amount of time that they're engaged in, in that kind of work and go to home earlier. And so, we offer that kind of coaching at Stanford as well. Then there's, a, the, of course, the individual physician factors. There's the personal resilience factors. Uh, The personal resilience strategy that's probably most evidence-based at this point is mindfulness practice. We know that not everybody is is open to practicing mindfulness meditation, um, but those that are benefit greatly. Two randomized trials demonstrate the efficacy of of mindfulness practice in physicians specifically. In one study, uh, physicians who are randomized to the mindfulness practice had not only improvement in psychological measures, but a reduction in resting heart rate that was averaging at 75 went down to 69, and that physiologic improvement was maintained one year later. And there are many others, of course, in the individual resilience domain. We could talk about that for hours. Um, but then there's a place in the middle that's an organizational factor, but it's a factor that each one of us in, the, in an organization contributes to, and that's our culture of wellness. It's how we feel about, think about, and treat each other. So while at Stanford, we're offering efficiency of practice solutions, and we're doing what we can to encourage and offer and facilitate personal resilience development, this culture of wellness piece is where I'm most excited about innovative things that we're trying. And it's things that are like offering peer support programs. It's capitalizing on natural leaders within work groups to encourage each other in physician work groups to practice things that promote a culture of wellness like gratitude exercises and um, values alignment uh, exercises to improve the sense of agreement between one's own values and the values of the organization as being compatible. And we're just now uh, developing and testing those. And so I can't say a whole lot about how well they're working because we're just getting started, but that That culture of wellness domain where we're moving the needle on how we think about, feel about, and treat each other at work is uh, something I'm particularly excited about as part of the equation to solving this problem. One related construct to this is psychological safety, and that piece actually has been fairly well-researched. Amy Edmondson demonstrated in her work at Harvard that that, uh, work groups who had uh, things like inclusive leadership style, which is an aspect of psychological safety, were more engaged in quality improvement and so those, those uh, that's one piece that already has been demonstrated. So we're trying to move the needle in all three domains, efficiency of practice, culture of wellness, and personal resilience.
0: Wow, that's so interesting, Dr. Trockel, and I think you really hit the nail on the head with how people treat each other at work. And I think some of the the information you've been discussing really can go through all aspects of every different kind of employment as you wrap up for us. What do, you, what do you want other providers to know if they're feeling burned out, how they can find joy in their practice again, and what you'd like them to know about seeking that help or for one of their colleagues, and really just wrap it up for us.
1: I, I think the, the one individual level predictor of burnout that would be most important for me to mention to anybody who is in healthcare is suffering from these kinds of distress experiences is uh, self-compassion. We have a a unique take on self-compassion that we call self-valuation. It involves appropriate prioritization of self-care and being able to recognize errors as something that, while painful, they're something to learn from rather than having uh, shame and blame and a harsh internal response to errors be the, the first reaction to when something goes wrong. Physicians who are able to be as compassionate with themselves as they might be with a colleague in this way, in prioritizing prioritizing one's own well-being in these ways, are much less likely to suffer from burnout. And if they're already suffering from burnout, there's a good chance that there's something in that realm of self-compassion or what we're calling self-valuation that is likely to be at least part of the problem and therefore also part of the solution.
0: It's great information. Thank you so much, Dr. Trockel, for joining us today and sharing your expertise and your research in this area. It was a very interesting segment. Thank you again. You're listening to Expert Insights with the Carl Foundation Hospital. For a listing of Carl providers and to view Carl-sponsored educational activities, please visit carlconnect.com. That's carlconnect.com. We hope the information gained will be applicable to your work and life. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.